Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. After a three-year hiatus, Bill Simmons is back with his NBA trade value rankings for the 2018 and 2019 season. You can check that out, as well as our year-in-review articles wrapping up everything 2018 on the site. Also, throughout the holidays, we will be sticking to our regular podcast schedule, so make sure to tune in to your favorite shows as usual. Happy holidays from The Ringer. Welcome to The Ringer NFL Show, part of The Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, bud? We just saw a very, very strange winner in game between the Indianapolis Colts and Tennessee Titans, and I'm not really sure how to process it. Was that a fun game, Robert? I don't know if it was fun, but I'm not sure what makes it strange I think I had a good time. Okay, explain yourself. I don't know. I just enjoyed watching that game. I mean, it was kind of a... It was a vaguely dumb game. There were some really stupid turnovers, and we got the result. The, the Titans hung around for long enough, then they started just to commit a penalty on every play, which is fine. And then now we get the result we wanted, which was the Colts play the Texans in a very interesting Saturday game. I don't think there's a real clunker among these playoff games. No. I mean, if the worst game, I mean, think about this slot that the Cowboys have. I mean, that slot is usually reserved for a game we don't want to watch, and now it's the Cowboys and the Seahawks. It's pretty darn good. I mean, there isn't a single game that you're like, I have no interest in watching this. We have no Buffalo-Jacksonville game this year. That game didn't happen. But listen, I, I think it's also... <laughs> po- I mean, I, 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 I'm, I could be talked into any upset on wildcard weekend. We're going to do our big playoff preview on Thursday. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the individual games. We're going to talk more about the results from today on this show. But I tend to agree with you. I mean, there isn't a single game. I mean, think about it. So it's Colts, Titans, Seahawks, Cowboys, Chargers, Ravens, Eagles, Bears. I hope that one of those games isn't an upset. Mm. All the other ones, I don't really mind. And I absolutely think they can be. I mean, I'm not even sure we're going to see that big of a spread in any of these games. And none of these is going to get to double digits. And I'd be surprised if any of them were much more than a touchdown. So the Bears are the biggest favorite. And every other game is two and a half for the, fa- for the higher seed. That's really interesting. So what are the Bears at? Five and a half. That's, see, that's a lot. I mean, yeah, uh, under a touchdown is what I expected for all of them. And five and a half is a decent number considering how well the Eagles have played. We'll get into all of that. But uh, let's start with the, that game in an indirect way. The Eagles win, the Vikings lose, and that shapes the NFC playoffs. I mean, I know that in your opinion, if you were the Bears, you would have rather faced well, the Vikings. But we'll see about that. Okay. But that's not how it went. So the Eagles win, the Vikings lose, Philadelphia is in this game. And as a Bears fan, I guess that should make me a little bit scared considering how the Vikings look today. But I also think there's a chance that Nate Sudfeld is playing quarterback for the Eagles. So the new report is that Nick Foles has a rib injury, but he, he seems to be fine. They think it's minor. He's, he's Or it's an injured rib Nick Foles. Either way, it's a guy that is not the same quarterback that stepped into this game. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that, that remains to be seen. What I will say is that the one thing I know for certain is the Vikings were not ready to win a playoff game. The Minnesota Vikings team we saw today was not going to win a playoff game. How many playoff games could the Minnesota Vikings have played before you think they would win a playoff game? Like the, in the a hypothetical, like an edge of tomorrow situation where they kept <laughs> when they, where they could just keep playing playoff games in that with that team with that psyche. I, I don't really know if it was ever going to happen for them. How many Adam, times would it take them to get to the little hangar with it? 
a helicopter. That's what you're saying. Okay, you remember too much about Edge of Tomorrow. I, I just, I've seen it a lot. It's a great it. movie. I just got the gist. Okay, so uh, and it, it was takes him a, a while. Movie. It was a great movie. But listen, so Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins are are fighting on the sidelines. It was great. Is Adam off- Thielen like secretly kind of a jerk? We had the Bill Belichick fight earlier this year. We have the on-field Kirk Cousins fight. I've really enjoyed this side of Adam Thielen. And someone asked me who was wrong in that situation. Do you know who was wrong in the situation? The Vikings offensive line. <laughs> they all fair. should have gotten together and made fun of the offensive line. So now Mike Florio, I don't know if you saw this, and Sunday Night Football says that people are keeping an eye on the Minnesota job as far as a, maybe a head coaching job uh, change, whether that's resignation, whatever the language might be, people are keeping an eye on it. I, I think it's just a fascinating, you said the, the, the sort of the tone of the playoffs changed today. I think maybe, you know, the future of Minnesota changed today. This Possibly. team, I mean, coming into the season, I feel like you and I were as high on this team as anybody else in the league. I feel like we both thought they were probably the most stacked roster in the NFC. You could throw the Rams in there as well. Figure we both expected the Eagles to start off slow, even if they were going to get back to the playoffs. You know, the I Vikings think we both were thought, this team. We thought the Vikings would be in the mix with the Saints and the Rams for the, a bye. Yeah. I mean, I definitely picked them to do that. I had them higher than the Saints in my preseason power rankings. I, I thought that they had a better roster than the Saints top to bottom. I still believe at full strength they probably do on paper. And that's why this season is so disappointing. Because the moves they made to try to get them over the top were going to get John DiFilippo instead of staying with Kevin Stefanski, and it was going to get Kirk Cousins instead of sticking with Case Keenum. They tried not to remain with the status quo and not ride with what they got last year. And it didn't get them where they wanted to go. They took a step back. They didn't even make the playoffs, let alone being in the NFC Championship game, a game away from the Super Bowl. And I don't know where they go from here because... Now, you're pretty much all in. I mean, you've committed to this core based on the amount of extensions that you've signed, based on the Kirk Cousins contract, everything else. So I'm not sure what the direction is after you have a season like this. So a couple things. Number one, you're going to not want to be one of 11 on third downs and have 132 passing yards in the biggest game of your season. You're not going to play this Bears defense every week. Okay, but you're going to need a little more. Not, Not every... Not every quarterback at 132 yards when they. Oh really no! You're going to need to be better than this. Yes. When the but, when, and the Bears were not probably not going at 100 percent the whole game. Okay. Um, I think there's huge problems. I think that they put. You know, I've I've heard Joe Banner talk about this, and and I, I agree. You know, if you're looking for an overrated team, find a team with lots of good skill guys and a bad line. That will yeah. always, that is a recipe for an overrated team. They will not be able to do the things they want to do. This, one of the lessons of the Eagles is that they built through their lines. Look at a lot of these teams. I mean, I'm not saying, you look at the Chiefs. I'm not saying Eric Fisher, you know, is the greatest first overall pick of all time, but he's he's worthy of that extension and he's a good he's a good tackle, okay? Those, those Chiefs Mitchell teams, Schwartz invest, is the best right tackle Mitchell in Schwartz, football. Right. Those teams went out and invested in their lines. They figured it out. And the Vikings did not figure it out, even though they knew it was a problem. And, and we've gotten angry over this all year. We'll continue to get angry about it in the spring. They knew they had a fatal flaw keeping them from winning the Super Bowl, and they didn't do anything about it. Now, and just, they had some injuries as well. I mean, they, sure. they were snake bit at those spots from the get go, and we probably should have known. I, I remember being there in Minnesota in August, right after the Nick Easton injury happened. 
and people would be, you know, Nick Easton, who cares? But they understood there, I think people that covered the team that are around it every day, how much the offensive line was going south really fast early in the season and how much it was going to be a problem. And it ended up being a problem. Well, yeah, it, it did end up being a problem. So, you know, they they sort of, you know, one of the things today, you know, I, I saw a stat. They were the number one defense on third down all year, and they just couldn't get a stop the today. second year in a row, pretty much. Yeah, and, and they couldn't get a stop today. It was to the point of that some of those third down conversions to Trubisky were embarrassing. Um, it was... It was just a really depressing showing if you're a Vikings fan. And I've said this a million times. I looked for reasons that this team was good all year, and I just didn't see it. If you stripped away the team, the name Vikings, if you stripped away the the, the player names that we had, we've bought into their talent, um, we would just see a very, very below average team. And that's what's disappointing. I don't know what you do now. I know that, you know, one of the things I don't like from a someone who studies what works in the NFL is hearing Mike Zimmer say, we got to keep running the ball more. I, I I just don't know how you keep doing that, especially when you have Adam Thielen's digs, Kirk cousins, you know, guys where you can have a dynamic passing game in theory. Uh, you know, he's had two offensive coordinators change mid season, two of the last three years. I just, I start to wonder, um, you know what the philosophical direction of that team is if you're coming out in the second half and saying we got to run the ball even if moving beyond the philosophical which i agree with you i think going to the practical and about kind of reverse engineering super bowl champions this was the type of team personnel wise that you would expect to win a super bowl tons of great at, contracts tons of great contracts so many great contracts and also so much depth at spots that they're not going to have it next season. Nope. So right now they're looking at a million, about eleven million dollars in cap space for 2019, Which and is that's not a lot with, in 20. It would not a lot compared to a lot of these teams. Not a lot, and considering the guys that they have that are free agents, Sheldon Richardson's a free agent, Anthony Barr is a free agent. Those offensive linemen they were missing aren't coming back. Nick Easton's a free agent. Brett Jones is a free agent. Anthony Harris, who they had to have come in for Andrew Sandejo, is a free agent. They have so many guys that are walking away from their rookie deals or cheap you know, one-year deals like a Sheldon Richardson, and they have no one on the roster to necessarily replace them. So it's not as if they have a ton of flexibility where it's like, oh, they'll cut this guy, they'll cut that guy. I mean, Trey Waynes is a free agent, so you cut him, or Trey Waynes is in the last year of his deal, so you cut him and save $9.1 million. It's not as if you're chock full of cornerback depth. You know, Mike Hughes is going to be there, Xavier Rhodes, but this is the type of thing that brings you from the most loaded roster in the NFC possibly to just a pretty good one when you don't have that three deep spot of defensive back, offensive line, everything else. And it just felt like this was the year with how the roster construction was going. And would you expect Adam Thielen to play another down on his contract? I don't think so. So it just felt like this was the season. Well, you've already got him as get a the jerk, most value. So. <laughs> he seems fine. I'm just saying. Wow. I, he had gotten more spats this year than I expected him to. Jeez. Okay. All right. So I'm just yeah. saying. Okay. So I just don't know philosophically where, where where this entire team is going. You know, I've I've spent uh, a lot of time around that team um, in training camp and and have enjoyed talking to a lot of people in that organization and their analytics focused. I guess you could say they're thinking about the future as much as any team in the NFL. I would say between the Vikings, the Eagles, 
couple other teams there. Um, you know, there's certain teams that I think are built for the future of the NFL because of the way they've staffed up um, in the front office and the coaching staff. And I just don't know. I don't know. I just don't know if, you know, wanting to run a conservative offense is, is what you want to do for the rest of your life. I'm with you on that. And I also think that their calculus and the analytics that went into building this franchise and trying to build a championship caliber roster, this was the year where I think that all of the levels were where they wanted them to be. Uh, coming into the season, I think that they had set themselves up the way they wanted to. And that's why this is so disappointing. Yeah, it, it's it's one of the biggest flops I can remember the last five, six, seven years. It's one of the big... I, I, I tend to, and I said this a couple of times, I tend to say that that the sport of football changed after the, the 2011 CBA. And I would say post-2011 CBA, this is probably the biggest flop. I mean, you had the Dream Team Eagles in 2011, but I don't I don't. Yeah, really that's think, before I, the league had kind of crystallized into what it is. I also don't think the, the Dream Team Eagles were that big of a flop. I mean, like, the person who, who, who dubbed the team the Dream Team was like a bad, washed Ronnie Brown. Wasn't it Vince Young? It was Vince Young. No, it was about, excuse yeah. me, it was about Ronnie Brown. Yeah, it was Vince Young. Vince it was Young, a backup it was, quarterback. No, it was Vince Young talking about Ronnie Brown. Yeah, I mean, it's that team. I think had one or two big contracts. I mean, they signed Nabi Asamoah, everything else. But I think that you could easily argue the Kirk Cousins contract is a bigger headline deal than the Nnamdi Asamoah contract was, and it's a quarterback. This is what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be Kirk Cousins putting them over the top. And we discussed this, I want to say two or three weeks ago. But in your mind, would you do the Kirk Cousins deal over again if you were in Minnesota? Or do you think it's going to haunt them? Mm. So is the other option Case Keenum or is it just what's in the box? The other, the other option is Case Keenum at his deal. Yeah, I'd probably actually go Cousins. I think so too. I know that sounds strange right now, but let's not... You know, I I just I feel like that's playing the results instead of the process a little bit. I'm I'm with you. I would definitely I would go with the Cousins contract again. I just wanted to give you one more chance to kind of think about it because of how bad it's gone over the last couple of weeks, kind of since we recommitted to it. Yeah, I, I'm 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 still okay with it. I am too. I I would have done it if you gave me the opportunity again. But man, it's going to be a tough couple of years for them because I think of how hard they went all in this season. I mean, what do you so, do with Anthony Barr? Do you bring back Anthony Barr at his market level? I don't think you can. I don't know. Mike Zimmer loves Anthony Barr. But, I mean, what do you have to pay Anthony Barr to bring him back? I mean, at least probably double-digit million a year if you consider the pass rushing kind of potential there. Yes. And you have $11 million in cap space, and you have no interior of an offensive line. I mean, this team is really up against it right now. And, and I, that's, again... The window, it closes really fast, man. Yeah, without a doubt. And now, speaking of windows, guess whose window has continued to, to open? Do you, think it is, do you think it is open? I guess that's what I say. Do the you Nick think Foles the Eagles window? are dangerous? The yes. Nick Foles window? There's two different <laughs> windows. There's the Eagles window, which I think is longer than people expect because of the way they've built that team and, and just the, the depth they have just going forward. But then there's Nick Foles' window, which is infinite and includes a Super Bowl every single year. Yeah. he was. Someone he was just asked me. I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if you're on it. Someone just tweeted at me make five minutes ago. If Nick Foles wins a Super Bowl MVP yeah, again it. this year, does he make the Hall of Fame? Why would his 
case be any worse than like Eli Manning? No, that's. I think that's the question. No, I mean I don't. He absolutely does not. But I mean, what if Eli Manning gets in? Well, Eli Manning has 15 years as a starter, and yeah, and he had two good years, like Nick Foles. He like played 12 good games, like Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles. I don't even know if he's played 12 total good games in his career. Nick Foles. We had 2013. Yeah. Then he had the Super Bowl. This is the hypothetical when she's about to have four good games. Oh, okay. So if we throw those four in there, yeah. I, and then you have the, the seven thing, touchdown game in Oakland. The whole thing is crazy. And watching him play today, I mean, he had the terrible interception early in the game, and he looked fine. And then I mean, obviously Sudfeld comes in at the end. I don't know. It, it, this team is still frightening, and I I wish that the Bears didn't have to play them. But I don't know how frightening they actually are or how much this is just kind of lingering respect for what we thought of him last season. I really, I honestly don't know the answer. I'm not saying they're not scary. I'm just saying I don't know. I, I have no idea what the hell is going on there. And, I, you know, I do, as I said, if I were the Bears, I would have done anything possible to play this Vikings team again. I don't know if that would have been in the plan going into it. I understand there's probably some weird, you know, bromance not weird. They work together between Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy. And that, that you know, I, I think that there's a, uh, you know, laying down and letting the Vikings win 30 to nothing, which is, oh, by the way, if the, if the Bears had totally laid down today, there's no guarantee that the Vikings would have taken advantage. No. And I think that if you're the Bears, you had to wait until the second half no, to even what, start laying down yeah, because of course, the Rams. Of course. But what I'm saying is I would have done everything in my power to see this team again next week. Yeah, I can understand that. And we'll, we'll get into this on because Thursday's the ce- show. Because we've but- seen the ceiling on, yes. the, on, on Nick Foles, and it is literally winning the Super Bowl. With, by the way, it, with, let's not act like Nick Foles was the only player on that. With the, Carson Wentz was the only injured player in 2017. I mean, they were playing with the backup left tackle. I mean, I, I you know, they were... The Eagles were a huge problem for a lot of front offices and a lot of coaches because they won the Super Bowl with a lot of holes through injury. They didn't make excuses and they just instead won the Super Bowl. My concern, and I think the reason that I'm afraid of the Eagles and the reason this could be a problem is because like you said earlier, their lines are the strength of their team if you're just looking at the roster overall and they're getting right at the correct time. Jason Peters was back today. He played well. Jason Kelsey's played well the entire season. Lane Johnson was hurt for a couple games, but he's back. And that defensive line, despite all of their other deficiencies defensively, is playing extremely well and just is loaded with really good players. And I think that's why they're frightening because those elements are as good as they've been and they're coalescing at the right time. That's what makes me concerned about what's going to happen next weekend. Okay, right now, right now, December 30th, 2018, Who's a better coach, Doug Peterson or Matt Nagy? Doug Peterson. Okay. Who has the better quarterback, Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky? Nick Foles, but I'm not sure by okay. like, how much. So that, that I wanted to just go through that exercise with you. So they have a better coach and better quarterback. The Lions do a nice job neutralizing the defense. They're not gonna. They're not gonna, you know, destroy the Bears defense. The Bears defense is way too good for that. But I'm just saying, I think that there's there's a real case to be made here that the Eagles could steal this game. I agree. They absolutely could. I mean, again, I think I it's don't think I, in- I'm not I'm not I, what I'm trying to do is present an argument that's not just Nick Foles is, is a magic God. Is oh, that, I am not. A, a, Nick Foles is not Baron. where my fear is rooted. Right. 
My fear is rooted in Fletcher Cox. Yeah. That, that is what I'm worried about. My fear is rooted in, in, Fletcher, in Fletcher Cox and in Lane and, Johnson and Brandon Brooks and Jason Kelsey and, grinding shit out on the ground. It's 20 to 14. It's third and 11. And it's Darren Sproles. It's, in my mind, it's more about the ability for the Eagles to dom- not dominate, but hold their own against the Bears in the trenches. And then the other side of that is, I'm not sure if the Bears have the downfield passing game to take advantage of the Eagles where they're weakest. And that's in the secondary. Guys like Craven LeBron- LeBlanc, who have seen play for the Bears. Like, that's where you can take advantage of the Eagles. And I'm not sure if the Bears are built to do that. And if the Eagles can muck this game up and stick with the Bears on either side of the line of scrimmage with that offensive line and that defensive line, this game is going to be close. I think five and a half is a lot. I do too. Well, I don't think we're doing worst picks for the playoffs, but um, it's it's a worst pick. Yeah, I would definitely not take the Bears minus five and a half because I think that's a field goal game either way. All right. Do we want to get into one more here with the Steelers missing the playoffs? Yes, of course we do. What, uh, First of all, the, mean, Browns, the Browns should have won that game. Yeah, I was what? bummed. That was really fun. I was very into that game. You said that the, the what's it called game was entertaining. I was very entertained by the Browns okay. Ravens game. That was a highlight of my day. I want to bring you into the psyche because I watched that game with another reporter who brought it up on his phone in the Chiefs locker room. And do you know how the Chiefs reacted? How? They didn't give a shit because they're the one seed and they're not worried about it. Yeah. I, it was I, actually kind I'm of I'm sure funny. they were like watching with bated breath. Well, two players did. You might know one of them. And um and we we would just sort of watch the we watched it on the on the on the um phone there and they seemed to actually be more invested in the fact that the Ravens linebacker it was mostly who got the pick right yep that he wasn't getting down when he when he intercepted it they were just yelling get down they didn't care about the result anyway it's amazing how players are wired like that it's all about like yeah they, both of them awareness. reflexively were like get down get down yeah okay. They literally just eh, whatever, but um, it was that was just a kind of a funny aside. Now, Pittsburgh Steelers. First of all, I saw this stat. Do you know the first team in seven years? This is from uh, Alice Kazora tweeted this. The Steelers are the first team in seven years to win six in a row and not make the playoffs. Just six in a row at any point in the season. Yes. Yeah, that really maybe, speaks maybe, to this team and like how dangerous they might have been if they had gotten in and how good they actually can be. Well, you know why they would have been dangerous. Because they don't play any crappy teams in the playoffs. There's no Raiders for them to, to play down to. Yeah, they have to try to stick with I mean, they played down to the Bengals today. They, oh, they tried to lose to Jeff Driscoll. Yeah. They tried. I mean, this is... We can talk all we want. They, they, they failed in the last few seconds of four games. And they lost to the Raiders. That's where you lose your season. Not a lot of next level analysis needed. I feel a little bit about the Steelers like I do about the Vikings. And it's not quite the same because I think that the Vikings have gone much harder to maximize their roster this season than the Steelers did. But I also think that I wrote about this a few weeks ago, just how we're inching closer and closer to this idea of this era of the Steelers just being what might have been. I mean, it's not a, and Antonio Brown has never won a Super Bowl as like a regular player. It was his rookie season. He wasn't a starter. This version of the Steelers that we've come to understand, the Roethlisberger, Bell, Brown Steelers, I know now it's Connor and not Bell, but you get what I'm saying. This version has always fallen short. And I'm not sure if there's any reason to think they'll be in a better spot next season than they were this season. Antonio Brown looked human at times this year. Ramon Foster is a free agent. That's the type of loss that 
becomes more important than it seems over time when you start losing those role players. You become less complete. And it just seems like we've seen the most complete versions of the Steelers team, and they're not in a financial position or just a roster trajectory position to get back to where they were. Not an obvious way. So do you know what Antonio Brown's cap hit was this year? No, but I can find out real fast. No, I'm looking, $7.9 I'm, no, no, million. Yeah, dollars. Okay, yeah. No, we're doing an exercise here, Robert. Next year it jumps I'm on to, the page, so. Next year it jumps to 22.1 million. Yeah, that's crazy. There's that's one, a huge there's leap. one more year on Ben Roethlisberger's contract. I, I, I would assume Ben Roethlisberger is a bit of a Drew Brees type and that when he reaches free agency, it won't actually be yeah. free agency. Um, but first of all, you never know. Maybe that's a natural stopping point for him. He's 36 years old. He, you know, is not, uh, he's not on the TB12 method as far as fitness goes. <laughs> um, so there's that. Oh, that was well done by you. Yeah. I mean, no, it's just an observation I've had over the years. And uh, it, it's, it's, and that, that may not matter. I mean, I, there's certain, we've, we've talked on this show before. There are a, a shocking amount of, of dad bods among the quarterbacks. Um, and, and, it seems to not really uh, hurt the longevity of, of some of some dad bods in the league, but I just think at some point this ends, and when it does, and I, and I think that again we still don't know how this generation ages. We saw Peyton Manning who had four neck surgeries. We don't know how super healthy you know Tom Brady could be making the playoffs of forty three, forty four. We don't know how this works, and so. When Roethlisberger goes, it might be overnight. Yeah. And he's a guy also that's been hurt so much over the course of his career. I mean, and it's not as not just taking care of his body. It's just the wear and tear and the beating that he's kind of endured over 15 mm-hmm. years of playing in the league. So it may be even more precipitous for him than it would have been for these other guys. So if you think that the offense just has reached its peak, the defense is still so many pieces away just based on how poorly they've drafted and developed defensive backs. It's the opposite of what's happened with them and wide receivers. So you have some moves you can make next year. I mean, you can save $10 million by cutting Joe Hayden. Do you really want to cut Joe Hayden if you're the Steelers? Like you don't have many other solid or usable cornerbacks. So it, again, it just doesn't seem like there's an obvious path for them to get back to where they want to go. It doesn't seem like there's an obvious path for them to be back on the level of a team like New Orleans or a team like the Rams even or what the Chiefs are right now. It just doesn't feel like they're one or two easy moves away from making this right again. Can I I want to talk about the defensive back thing for a second. I used to be massively massively into college football and you can't really do it. You know, we, we you know, both of us are on the same page here. You can't really be a massive college football fan and a pro observer it's just too much football but Artie Burns was at Miami mm-hmm. sort of in the era when I still watched it if I were a GM or a scout I would spend a lot of times reading college football message boards because I watched Artie Burns and I the whole time I was like wait a second Artie Burns isn't good and it was the same thing with like that would be a dangerous road like Brandon spend Harris a lot of your time on there Miami had a defensive back named Brandon Harris and he was really bad and then they 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 the Texans took him in the second round and I was like, wait a second. I wasn't, po- I've never posted on a message board in my life, but I would, I just feel like fan, fan sentiment needs to be monitored more. I believe like that Bill, was the Bill entire, Simmons had this idea about baseball free agents. Oh I yeah. Be- I believe based on JD drew. 
he's always said that the whatever the other team's fans say is, is probably what you should pay most attention to. I also feel like that was the entire 2011 quarterback class was everyone that yeah. went to Washington, Missouri or Florida state was like, wait a second, our guy, you, right. are you sure about this? Right. Right. You really well, want this guy? And well, Sam Shields was the opposite of that he played at Miami. He played for one defense back for one year. He was a receiver. And I was like, damn, Sam Shields is actually quite good. And then, you know, he didn't get drafted first round, but he had the better career. So there yeah. you go. Yeah, the the uh, triumvirate of Blaine Gabbert, Jake Locker, and Christian Ponder is a testament to this exercise. It was, I mean, yeah. and But they also Cam Newton, whose fan base appreciated him. Yeah, as they should have. He was pretty damn good in college. All right, uh, let's get to some stock up and some stock down. You know, a couple teams that really helped themselves today. And you were at one of those games where a team helped itself pretty much as well as you could going into the playoffs. So I was at the Raiders Chiefs game today. It looked like one of those bowl games where just two teams, like one team was from the Sun Belt and one team was from the SEC or whatever. I mean, the difference. Oh, just quality, difference in quality. I was wondering where you were going with that. Yeah, no, just difference in like the one of the first plays of the game. I looked down and Tyreek Hill just had like, you know, three yards on it. It was like, okay, well, this game's over. And (laughs) the the Raiders just made mistake after mistake. I mean, they they have all sorts of guys. You know, I was talking to a few people who were on the team um, before the game, and they just have all these guys who started the season on the practice squad, and now they're starting. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's kind of a disaster in Oakland. But Kansas City, one of the things that was amazing to me, I saw Jeff Darlington in the locker room afterwards, and we were talking about this, because the Chiefs clinched today, and we knew that, and, and you know, whatever. We, we, we knew that the, the implication was that they lost today and the Chargers won, that they that they would have slipped to five. But it feels like the Chiefs clinched the, the division like a month ago. I mean, like yeah. it, the, the fact that it happened today and the fact they were giving out T-shirts and, and hats and stuff like that was was sort of surprising to me. Uh, Paul Rudd was in the in the locker room celebrating. Wow. And nice one. So Paul Rudd has is either genuinely just like a a incredibly earnest Chiefs fanboy or he's the greatest actor of all time. I think it's the former, right? So he first of all he carries about every player on the roster. Truly. He was in the locker room and then so he's talking to Mahomes a little bit, and then he was talking to like Mitch Morris a little bit, a couple of the special teams guys. And then someone who's not a player came up to him and gave him a hat. And he was like, no way! Like he was 12 years old. And I was just That like, makes me really happy. This is, it was amazing, Robert. It was it's amazing. It's important to me that Paul Rudd is that person. It was amazing. I actually took a photo. He, he, he took a photo of... Um, his family with Patrick Mahomes and he was not in the photo. And I thought that was kind of funny. I took a photo of that. I did not post it because I just don't, I don't, I'm not going to post a photo of someone else's family without their, you know, whatever. But um, I didn't talk, actually talk to Paul. I'm not going to, you know, post photos of his, of his shit. Um, anyway, um, the Chiefs are the number one seed and they, if you just look at the stats over the past couple of years, that is a massive, massive advantage. And that's what I wanted to see. Uh, you, you don't want to play three road games to get to the Super Bowl. No, I, as we've talked about a million times here, no one has done it in seven years. And, you know, if right now they're going to, I think, I think they will win their first playoff game at Arrowhead. Whether or not they win the AFC Championship game against a Patriots team, I, I, I'm not ready to predict, but I'm, I'm confident now 
um, that they have a much better road to the playoffs than they did if they hadn't gotten the one seed. Are they the presumptive favorite in your mind in the AFC? Yes. Only, I think so too. So only because we know they're going to score a ton of points and they, you know, say what you will about really good defenses like the Ravens, but they've beaten those teams. And, you know, the Patriots was a, it was a 43 to 40 shootout that was in Foxborough. It won't be this time. And I also just have no idea what's going on with the Patriots right now. I think the Ravens is a tough game. I think if the Ravens win that game, and they just lost to the Chargers at home. I mean, I still think the Chargers are a damn talented roster, and they literally just lost this team two weeks ago. So, or maybe three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I'm running out of, I'm I'm getting very confused at the end of the season here. But we just saw them lose to them, and we just saw the Ravens take them to the brink. So I I think it's tougher. And that would be, unless the Colts uh, pull the upset, that would be the the second round matchup. Correct. They play either the Chargers or the Ravens, depending on who wins that game. And I think that that's a tough game either way. But I do think right now, I feel much more comfortable about them than any other team in the AFC because I do feel like that offense is the one thing that you can rely on. Yeah. I, I just, I also just think that when you have the one seed, all you have to do is win two home games. That's yeah. just statistically, that's why they're the favorite. I mean, obviously they can get tripped up or whatever, but it's just really statistically quite easy to win two, two home games. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, let's get to the other stock up. The Indianapolis Colts have won 10 games in a season where they were one and five and no one had any expectations for them to do a single thing in the second half of the season. I think it's hard to overstate the job that Frank Reich did. You know, we t- I talked about him as my coach of the year, the job that Andrew Luck did coming back the season, the job they've, do- they've done building that roster. I mean, what has gone on over the last two months in Indianapolis is remarkable. They're doing it. They're beating good teams. I mean, I the so the Cody Kessler thing. I we're I'm just gonna have to find out in the off season what the hell is going on with that game. There must have been some something we don't know about because you don't lose six nothing to Cody Kessler if you're this good of a team. I think the Jags defense is good enough to throw a wrench in a game like that. Maybe we're gonna. I talk, really do. We're gonna talk about the Jags in, in a little bit here. Um, okay, so I mean, Andrew Luck is back, and and it's funny because. There's just not the talent around him. You know, there are people who who pushed back on the idea that we we did not really spread the idea that they're going to be a dynasty. That was Albert Breer, but we repeated it, and people got mad at at me in particular. I did. I don't endorse that. I'm just saying that all the pieces. I do agree that this team is only going to get better because they were not taking this year as a serious uh, contention year, and yet they did it because Andrew Luck is good, the Frank Reich is good, T.Y. Hilton is good. Uh, you know, they drafted extremely they well. They drafted extreme. Darius Leonard is really good. Uh, they just they, they're they're on the upswing, and I think this is the last time in a while that they're going to have to sneak in the playoffs in Week 17. Dontrell Inman is their number two wide receiver right mm-hmm. now. I mean, this is nuts to have the offense that they have with the personnel that they do is unbelievable. I mean, that it just is a testament to what they've been able to do schematically. And I don't know what they're going to do this offseason, but I'm fascinated by it. I've said this before, and I maintain it. The guy I want on that team for the next two to three seasons to go with T.Y. Hilton and Andrew Luck is Golden Tate. Yep. I mean, yeah. I mean, that that would be an amazing personnel. I mean, he has not really established himself in Philadelphia, and I don't know that that might be a problem when it comes to sort of the the Doug Peterson coaching tree. I don't know. Maybe they think there might be an offensive problem there. I don't. I don't know the answer, but I think that Golden Tate is still a very useful player. 
And then their offensive line more or less is set. Costanzo has one more year on his deal. But we talked about the young guys. I mean, this team is so well set up for the next two or three seasons in terms of their financials. They have $115 million in space and what they've been able to do with kind of resurrecting Andrew Luck. It's a fun story. The league is better off for it. And let's be honest, it's not just a feel-good story. They absolutely could beat the Texans next weekend. No doubt. You know, it's interesting to me. uh, Warren Sharp, who I think does a really nice job, he wrote this kind of viral piece a year ago about the Colts and their play calling and how bad it was and how predictable it was. And and the gist of it was that in the fourth entering the fourth quarter last year, they were up in nine games. They were leading in nine games in the fourth quarter. They went four and five, which is almost impossible. I mean, you look at some of these good teams, they're like, What were the Patriots? Aren't the Patriots like like, you know, a hundred and three or something when when leading after three quarters. It's something ridiculous. You know, under Belichick. It's ridiculous stuff. Well, the Colts went four and five because they're not a play, call plays. This year, they went seven and one in those situations. And that's because they have a good coaching staff. That's because they have a coaching staff that knows how to win games. And, you know, the, the one thing I always come back to, and it was one of the most illuminating things I've ever heard, is someone who told me a couple of years ago the number one, the first step towards winning a Super Bowl is is wanting to win a Super Bowl. And not every team does it. And the Colts look like a team that that are on the path. Not the, not the Atlanta Super Bowl, not the one in four months, but the coaching staff, the infrastructure, the quarterback, they have the type of team that's going to win a Super Bowl in, the, in, the, in this decade. I mean, I think that's why this is so impressive is that they didn't try to win the Super Bowl this year. Right. They didn't spend any money in free agency. I mean, they go out and sign a couple cheap deals. You go get Ryan Grant's, you know, whatever. But it's not as if they had their big dice rolls this nope. spring. I think this year is when they could make a couple of those or not. Maybe I, not. They don't need out, to. You figure, well, I think that they're going to spend some of that money and they should. Andrew Luck is never going to be on his rookie contract again. That's over. They have, you know, obviously you'd prefer having a quarterback who's making $6 million a year, but the next best thing is cost certainty with a really good quarterback, and that's what they have. And they, I mean, when the quarterback is making $27 million, that's easier. It's much more palatable when you have $115 million in cap space. So when every other viable player on your team more or less is on a rookie contract. I'm going to write this this week, and I, I'm... It's a thought that I, you know, that through reporting that I, I came up with, I had not thought about it. And I, if anybody is a content creator, you're not allowed to steal it um, because I'm not <laughs> writing it till Wednesday. But there's a third category of, of quarterback that we're not thinking about when we talk about rookie quarterbacks and then we talk about highly paid quarterbacks. But the Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson generation signed their contract you know, three, three years ago, two years ago, whatever it yep. is. And those Cam contracts Newton. are, those contracts are already cheap, dude. Yeah. Those contracts are already cheap. There's, you could stomach them. Even if you don't consider them cheap, they're not going to hamstring you. They're not right. And then you look at, you look at some of these crazy contracts that are come up. They're going to be well over $30 million. Cool. Russell Wilson's going to cost $24 million. Andrew well, Wilson's contract is coming up. No, I know. But I'm just saying, I'm talking about this year. Yes. Yeah. 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 For this season, for sure. And then here's and one of the other things that I feel like is exciting about the Colts. This is going to seem like an odd comparison, but I look at the, what the Colts have done with their in-house defensive players that they've drafted over the last couple of years, and I look at what a team like the 49ers have done. And the Colts' defense isn't where they want it to be, but if you consider them kind of on similar timelines, 
the 49ers coaching staff got there one year earlier. But think about how the highly drafted defensive players for the Colts have shown up. Darius Leonard has become the player that he is. Malik Hooker has played very well. A team like the 49ers hasn't had that. And I think that is where the Colts really start pumping up this potential of what they can be a couple seasons from now is because the pillars of who you were and the draft capital you needed to work out has. And I think that's where your timeline starts getting accelerated. And that's exactly what's happened for them. Yeah. And they're going to be good in the ASC for a long time. All right. Let's get to stock down. Let's start with a team that maybe won't be very good in the AFC for a long time. The team that shockingly beat this Colts team a few weeks ago. The Jacksonville Jaguars are in a very bad way, my friend. I have no idea what's going on there, and this might just be a disaster. So I don't like I don't like getting political, but do you remember a couple of weeks ago when Steve Mnuchin did this thing where he was like, I talked to the banks, everything was fine, and no one was talking about how the banks weren't fine? I got an email today. That just, uh, that's pretty good. That Tom Coughlin was like, I'm mad at Leonard Fournette. Or what Leonard Fournette did was inexcusable. And I was like, what? What was Leonard Fournette doing? Like, no one's talking about what Leonard Fournette was doing. And now we just have a problem with Leonard Fournette. So it turns out Leonard Fournette and TJ Yeldon just sat on the bench the whole game. Fournette was inactive. Yeldon was active. But now we are just going to do a news cycle about Leonard Fournette. Uh According to the Associated Press, the Jaguars have informed Fournette that they avoided the remaining guarantees on his contract because of his one-game suspension. That's amazing. I mean, remember so, that was the whole thing with Roquan Smith this summer. Yeah, so it will you just never assumed a team would do it. It will take it potentially take seven point one million dollars out of his pocket. This this uh, per Pro Football Talk. So now we have much bigger much bigger i guess drama than we anticipated um the shad Khan announced that Coughlin Caldwell and Marone would return but you know we've heard i thoughts that maybe Jalen Ramsey could could be moved at some point i mean there's just a lot of Jalen Ramsey seems unhappy there i don't really uh, there's some extension beef or something that was happening last month the whole thing just seems to have unraveled very quickly if you were the Jags, what would you do with Leonard Fournette if his guarantees are actually voided? Well, here's the thing about Leonard Fournette is he's not very good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Florio here has, they might try to trade him. Who's trading for Leonard Fournette? Yeah, exactly. Who wants that contract? He's making $7.9 million next season. 7.4. I mean, I don't know. You can get, is he, has he done four yards per carry yet in a season? I don't believe so because he certainly didn't do it this year. Yeah, and then, he's, then he hasn't. I mean, I, you, I can get you. I can get uh, he'll you. be. He, he's at a chill three point three this season. You know what? Three point seven for his career. Listen, man, I can get you. I can get you three point seven for a lot less than seven million dollars. That's uh, I mean, my guarantee to you. That pick. How many people? Just, how many people on the street? I mean, like you know, like street free agents. How many guys could you sign? that would give you, that are not in the NFL right now, that would give you more than 3.7 yards per carry? 30? I think a lot of, I think a lot of guys. Like yes, 30. a lot of guys. 30 guys look currently at, not in the NFL. I mean, just look at what the Chiefs are doing with Damian Williams, yeah. who's played for every single team in the NFL, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Not good. It's really bad, man. It is very bad. And we're talking about all these issues going on with the Jaguars and one of their top five picks potentially not being on the team next year at two years after they drafted him. And we haven't even mentioned their quarterback situation. I wonder what the LSU message board said about Leonard Fournette. I think they probably liked Leonard Fournette. 
I can't. I don't know. LSU fans can chime in on this. I think they are probably in support of Leonard Fournette going in the top five. Maybe not. But we knew that was a mistake when it happened. And now it's just, I mean, if they can get out of the guarantees, I guess that it, it's not quite as bad of a mistake. But when you have to move on from top five well, wait, picks hold on. No, three no, years no. in. No, it's, it's still as bad a mistake because they passed on Patrick Mahomes and they passed on Deshaun Watson. That's correct. Yes. So no matter the financial I'm saying independent of, it, of that. I'm talking the, about the player the, the that they fi- drafted. The financial part of it is, is, is one thing, but it, this will always set them back forever and ever. I mean, shit, take Jamal Adams. Yeah, anybody. Take Christian McCaffrey. I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen with that team next year. Because again, there is no path to them being much better than they were this year unless they can drastically fix their quarterback situation. And who knows what that's going to be. I mean, is it Drew Locke? I have no idea. Is it? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think it has to be. I mean, I think they... uh, What Do we know what the draft order is? Yeah, the uh, Cardinals are first. And then what are the... That's a whole different issue. Yeah. The Jags are picking seventh. It's a little bit... I'm looking at the 2017 draft. It would have been hard for them to draft Alvin Kamara because they had the pick after Kamara. But still. Just roll with TJ Yeldon. Who gives a shit? They also... This is great. I mean, and that was... They also just signed Chris Ivory to a huge deal. This is great, dude. 67, Alvin Kamara. 68, Dwayne Smoot. That's the Jaguars pick. 69, yep. Cooper Cup. There you go. Huh. Yeah, this team is in a bad way, uh, in an extremely bad way, huh. and I don't know how it gets any better. All right, let's get to one more quick stock down here. Uh, which coach do you think is, I mean, obviously we have the coaches that are losing their jobs that we know about. Todd Bowles is gone. Dirk Cutter is very likely gone. Steve Wilkes is very likely gone. Is there Wait, a coach I believe that, Dirk Cutter is officially gone. Is he not? Officially gone? I believe so, so. I mean, he's been officially gone for two years. Exactly, right? And that game was all you needed to see today. There, is there, there a coach... The, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. Is there a coach we're not talking about that you feel like we should be or a coach that is on your radar that is not officially candidate? If you believe Mike Florio, we should be looking at Minnesota. The Dirk Cutter thing is interesting to me because uh, the implication tonight was that Jason Light is staying. I don't understand that line of decision-making. I don't understand firing Dirk Cutter, keeping Jason Light, and also keeping Jameis Winston. I don't know why you would do that. What has Jason Light done? Nothing. They have done a very poor job building that team. I mean, I think that the only moves you can like are Ali Marpet is a good player. Mike Evans is a good player. I don't even know if either of those are Jason Light draft picks. So Light was hired in in January 2014. That's the year after Mike Evans, correct? Mike Evans is 2013 draft. Let's ch- let's take a look at this. Mike Evans was 2014. Mike Evans was 2014. His, his first draft pick. So Mike Evans, and then they drafted Marpet in the second round in 2015. Is there anybody else in-house that you like with that team? Think about some of the second round picks that team has made. Roberto Aguayo. Ronald Jones this year. Uh, think about Vitavia in the top 10 this year. How if, Even if he ends up being a decent player... We could talk about Derwin James forever, and I'm going to. And this team has done a systematically bad job of getting good players on it. And I just don't understand why you wouldn't start over. Just start over. I don't like calling for people's jobs. It, it People lose jobs outside of those guys. There's an entire support system of people that have to move and find new work and everything else. It has wide-ranging ramifications, and it's tough. But I also think that at a certain point, Job performance matters and you have to be accountable for it. And I don't understand what Jason Light has done to keep his job if Dirk Cutter loses his. Yep. 
I mean, there's just not much to it. It's it's amazing. Did you see the report that Arizona offered Mike McCarthy basically yes. the entire organization, including getting rid of Steve Kime if he came and he didn't want it? Yes. That what reason do we me, have that Mike McCarthy should be head of personnel control? Well, I mean, that's just a way to get him. Then he would, you know, sure. bring, he would bring in, you know, Elliot Wolf or something. Is there anything that Mike McCarthy has done over the last three or four years that would have you say, I would like to give my franchise I mean, to this man? Is there anything that Steve Kime has done? I think they built a really good roster a couple of years ago. But I don't know, even if outside of Steve Kime, even if you think that they should move on from him, why is Mike McCarthy the person you want to bring in to be your football czar? Oh, no, I agree. I'm just saying that, I don't know. I, I'm just saying I think I would clean house there too. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I mean, that that's completely fine. I just don't I understand why only, Mike McCarthy is the, the person. I think the only way you fire Steve Wilkes, and I'm still against this, by the way, is if you're just starting over. Because you just gave Steve I can Kahn, understand that. You just gave Steve Kahn the opportunity to hire a coach a year ago, and he hired he hired Steve Wilkes. I understand that. I, I'm, I, I'm with you on that. I, I think that I, we talked about the Wilkes thing a bunch and I understand why you do it. I just don't understand how Mike McCarthy is possibly the answer. Is there, which no, of these not. jobs, which of these jobs that is, may come open or whatever, or if is already open is the most attractive to you? Is it getting to work with Darnold? Is it, I mean, which of so these do you think Darnold, is, well, I mean, I mean the Browns job, number one, the Browns job is number one, I think by far the with, Browns are the mean, Packers. Good Lord. I mean, no, I, I would say even, I here's the thing, I remember, and th- this is this is not, uh, this is not reported or anything like that. But I asked someone who's sort of associated with the Green Bay people, um, and by sort of I mean, you know, they've 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 worked with those folks, and I asked why there was a mass exodus of people from Green Bay to Cleveland, and you know, guys like you know scouts, pro personnel guys, and. They said, you know, the one thing you have to remember about Green Bay is if they do anything other than win 12 games a year, you are the guy who was there when that happened. And if you're the GM or you're the coach and they win nine games, that's a disappointment. Whereas in Cleveland, if they win 10 games, 11 games, everyone there is considered a miracle worker. And if you don't, everyone says, well, it's Cleveland. And you know, they won seven games this year. It seemed like everyone there was a miracle worker. If you take the Cleveland job, I don't think, I think, I understand that amongst football nerds like us, we think they should win 10 games. But if someone comes in and wins 10 games next year, they're going to be considered Vince Lombardi. And if someone goes in and wins 10 games with a Packers team that doesn't have a whole lot of talent on its roster as it stands, they're going to be considered an above average coach. But I understand all of that. But don't we get into just how teams have functioned and ownership and there's a reason that teams stay bad for sure. a while. I get that, but I also think there's a reason good teams stay good. Yeah, I mean, the Packers have, with the exception of a handful of, you know, Ray Rhodes, Aaron Rodgers injury years, sort of Brett Favre off the rails injury type years, they've been good our entire lives. And I think there's reason for that. And it, there is something enticing about turning around a franchise like the Browns. But I also think that there's a reason teams like the Browns stay mired in either mediocrity or less than that. And I think they have never had the roster talent. They've never had the roster talent. I think the right people are in place there to turn that around. But I also think that I would have some hesitation about getting so intrigued and enticed by that idea. 
Remember that weird story that um, Sports Illustrated ran? It was kind of a heat check story about the Royals like five years before. They did this with the Astros too, where they were basically just like, but the Royals one in particular stands out because they were like, you know, in five years, it will be a complete, I think they, they the conceit was they wrote it from the future and they were like, in five years, it's going to be everyone's. I don't remember forget. that one about the Royals. I remember no, about they the did. Astros. No, 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 they did. It was like, everyone's going to, you're going to look stupid if you were one of these people making jokes about the Royals or whatever. I kind of feel that way about the Browns. I totally like, agree. In five years, we're going to have to explain to people who weren't around that the, the Browns were like an all time joke. So, but that's here's which, by the, thing the way, about, used to be used to be the case with the Arizona Cardinals until Bruce Arians came around, and it, I guess Ken wasn't hot. The with the the Browns thing to me, though, and you know, you talking about how there's this if you turn around the Browns, you're a hero forever. That part of it is a little bit attractive to me. What's really attracted me is getting to work with Baker Mayfield every day. Well, I no, mean, but that, that's, that is but the, that's, that's what why, makes no, this great. And, and Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. Yes. Uh, and, to me, and, it's to me, it's Baker and everything else. No, though. I understand that, but I'm, what I'm saying is, is that the reason we're, we're only re- the reason we're saying it's such an attractive job is because of the roster. Any other sort of you know optic stuff comes later. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's get and to then, two. Qu- and then I guess I guess Darnold, right? Yeah, I, I mean that's up there, but I also man. think that that team is completely devoid of talent outside of Sam Darnold and Jamal Adams. So I'm not sure how I feel about that. I guess they just signed Quincy Anunwa to an extension, which I like Quincy Anunwa. But that team, they have a long way to go. And we'll see. I mean, Mike McCagnan has to lose his job too, right? No, he's back, baby. Oh, good Lord. Okay. I don't understand Mc- how McCagnan, teams do this. McCagnan, Kime, and uh, you know, damn uh, and, Jason, and Jason Light. Light. Yeah, dream, I don't, I don't dr- get why teams do this. The dream team. Okay. Two quick challenge fags, very fast. I, I'm going to throw one on the Dallas Cowboys, which I still don't understand what they did today. What was the purpose of sitting out like Ezekiel Elliott, Tyron Smith, and not resting your starters when the game did not matter whatsoever in the second half? What, what is that? Like, what, uh, Mark, what is your possible uh, reason? Took a big hit. Uh, Leighton Vanderesh got hurt at one Leighton, point. He says he's okay. It doesn't matter. It, that's one of those things. Talk about process over results. Jesus Christ. What possible argument is there for saying it's worth having those guys out there in that moment? Jason Garrett has to have like a $10 million bonus for 10 wins or something. It's the only thing that can, can explain what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. It was at home, uh, right? No, it no? was on the road. I didn't. I didn't watch one second. Oh yeah, it was in. It was in New York, right? I forgot because Eli Manning took pictures with his kids on the field, and everyone and took people are reading into leaving. that. What? Oh. Paul Rudd took photos with his kids. He's not going anywhere. Paul Rudd is not. He's no longer a Chiefs fan. He's riding off into the sunset, or whatever the opposite of that is that Eli Manning just did. <laughs> uh, it was a very bad decision. Very bizarre. All right, what's yours? Uh, I just think the Bears are going to regret not not letting the Vikings win. I hope not. I really hope not. I don't know how I feel about this. I'm, I like that the Bears are the last game of the weekend next weekend. I like that everything else is kind of going to be off my plate. And I'm also not going to a game on that day, which I was I kind of feel like, hmm, you know, I kind of feel like those late Sunday games are just surprisingly lit every year. I hope it is. I mean, I hope it's a fun game. I hope the Bears win. No, you don't. I was, I, I, I yeah. I, I, it's if, not a fun game. If it was a 21 point game, I'd be, Really enjoying it. My hope was that I was going to get to go to the Texans game and the Cowboys game next weekend. And they'd be on different days, but I'm not going to be able to do that. So oh, I think my plan is that I'm going to be in Dallas for the Saturday night game. Which would be Houston, fun. Houston I've never during the week. 
Houston during the week, and I think Dallas on the weekend. So I think I'll fly to Dallas on Saturday morning is my plan. That's exciting. Yeah, I've never been to a game at Jerry World. This has been my first one. I went to that weird game where they, um, the Lions should have won, if not for an iffy pass interference call. Oh, yeah. How, how many, that was a while ago, right? It's 2015, 2014, 2015 season. Well, I guess not. All the years it was, it was before the Des Caudic game. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. The week, without that iffy pass interference play, I think it was something weird where that one of the refs thought face guarding was a penalty or something. I don't remember specifics. I remember, I remember a press conference in which face guarding was discussed, which is not a penalty at the NFL level. Yeah, it's no longer a rule. Okay. That's all we got. Uh, essentially, next week's headline is the playoffs are fucking starting. <laughs> Here yeah. we go, man. This is happening. I mean, it, it really did sneak up on me in a very strange way. Today was fun, though. I needed that Browns-Ravens game because everything else had been kind of, uh, you know, the people win the people were winning that we thought we were going to win. It's kind of been a bummer, especially after last year when the Bills got in on that crazy play. And uh, I thank you to the Ravens and the Browns for making it up to me. Oh, my God. This sports center graphic just went up. The most rush yards in the final seven games of the season, okay? The Ravens are third. The other two teams are from 1973 and 1976. <laughs> the Ravens are weird, and I'm really enjoying it. And it's going to be a very fun I'm rush in. for the playoffs. I'm all in, baby. Jo- Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson taking us into the future of, of rushing quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. Just like we thought at the beginning of the season, right? All right, that's all we got for today. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening to The Ringer NFL Show on The Ringer Podcast Network. We'll be back on Thursday.